0: Hello and welcome yet again to Palace Confidential, your weekly royal chat show right here on Mail Plus. I'm Jo Elvin, the editor of You Magazine, and this week, with the help of some of our nation's finest royal know-it-alls, I'll be bringing you all of this week's royal headlines. I'm joined in the studio today by the Daily Mail's Saturday Diary editor, Richard Eden, and royal expert, Victoria Murphy. My palace partners in crime, thanks for being here. Are you excited? Of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, that was the right answer. Here's what we've got coming up on today's show. Picture this. Queen Elizabeth II donning the marigolds and pitching in with the dishes. Dickie Arbiter will be telling us more extraordinary tales from behind palace doors. Our royal editor, Rebecca English, joins us live from a royal engagement with the Duchess of Cornwall. And Kate revisits her uni days as she meets students stuck in halls to talk about the importance of supporting mental health. But first, this week, Prince William launched his most ambitious project to date, the Earthshot Prize. It's being referred to as the Nobel Prize for the Environment, and it will include an ambitious set of challenges, curated to inspire a decade of action to repair the planet.
1: We're setting ourselves five Earthshots over the next ten years. And those Earthshots are basically tackling climate, nature, air, oceans and waste. And through a scientific panel, those were the ones that were deemed the most serious, the most the ones that need the most priority. So for five years, sorry, for 10 years, five prizes every year. And we hope that those 50 prizes will bring about a decade of change and really help to repair the planet in a way that's never been done before, by finding solutions, by by empowering local communities or business leaders, governments, uh, community leaders, whatever they might be, all around the world, to raise them up, raise their voices, and, and find these solutions.
0: I'm going to come to you first, Victoria. This is it's no small feat, is it? It's a
2: huge project undertaking. What—what What is involved? Yeah, so it's a very ambitious project, and it's going to take place over 10 years. It's a £50 million prize, and what we're going to see is every year we're going to see five £1 million prizes awarded in the areas that William just outlined there. And the ambition is to find, over 10 years, 50 solutions to The world's biggest environmental challenges and what we're told is that the prizes can be awarded to groups individuals scientists even cities or countries so they're hoping to kind of really put into the spotlight these solutions give these solutions a platform give them some funding Um, and the idea is the people who are working on it and william himself are saying what they sort of felt they wanted to do was Get away from this idea that we're talking about the problems and the negative conversations surrounding the environment and climate change and kind of be much more positive and sort of throw out the gauntlet Mm -hmm. and say, right, let's find a solution. And it's called Earthshot, sort of looking to that idea of Kennedy's moonshot, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of saying... Let's come up with something, let's go out there and make this happen. Something proactive. Have you Mm. got any
0: ideas for it, Richard?
1: (laughs) I wish I did. It it,
0: it seems like it might actually make a big difference, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, what it really illustrates is the benefits of having a royal family. Because when it comes to politicians, they find it very hard to look beyond their next election in four or five years' time. Whereas the royal family, because they're there for all their lives, they can l- look to projects like this where it 's for the long term, mm. you know, and you know Williams made clear it 's for ten years or more he 's looking at projects which they might take many years to come to fruition, but he wants to invest in that, and that 's something I think really only something like the royal family could. Could be yeah, that's
2: an interesting point. How yeah. How's it come about? Yeah, so William's been talking about this for a couple of years. He's been having conversations with the various people. Obviously, we know that he is um, involved with speaking with Attenborough, who we understand has been involved with this. Um, and really, in the last few months in particular, has been making a lot of phone calls. We've got this prize council who 12 people along with him are going to award these prizes. Um, and I think there was a feeling that he felt that he sort of recognised that he has a global leadership role to play and now is the time to play it. That's how it's been described by people who are working on the project. Mm. But it is ambitious and I think it's being dubbed sort of the Nobel Prize mm. for the environment. But the test will be in five, six years' time, are we talking about these winners as if they are Nobel winners. Are we talking about the prize in this way? And I think they do recognise the challenge there, that they need to maintain momentum and really continue to elevate this project in order for it to be the success that they hope it will be. I think
1: it it could really be something like his father's Prince's Trust or his Grandfather's Duke of Edinburgh's award, where it's something which will be associated with William all his life.
2: Yeah, and interesting because obviously his father and grandfather have been very, very vocal on this issue. But when we think about the environment, we do really think of Prince Charles as the royal who's kind of championed it. So actually for William to be really taking this on and looking at this long-term project and very much making that his thing is is an interesting situation.
0: But who who gets to decide who's whose you know ideas are worthy who are the judges
2: so there is going to be um you can't apply so there's sort of nominating partners who will put people forward and then they'll be considered by panels of experts who advise this council who are these 12 people plus william who will ultimately decide the five winners every year um, and there's you know different people on the prize council coming from all different parts of the world we've got Queen Rania, we've got Shakira, we've got Kate Blanchett, we've also got Attenborough on there. Is Shakira well Jack qualified to Mark. judge an environmental prize? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a glittering if round of them. Bunch. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. of them are sort of more have more celebrity status yeah. than others. Are sort of business people, philanthropists. I think the main aim was to make sure that they got people from all over the world because this is meant to be a really global initiative.
1: One thing I thought was really interesting was um, the director of the project is Amy Pickerel, who used to be Meghan's right-hand woman, and when um, Harry and Meghan quit royal duties, she was offered a job by William and Kate.
0: Much easier to solve the environment problems than (laughs) work with Megan. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Well, it kind of shows what
1: what (laughs) Harry, and Megan have lost out on, I think. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. But now, not to steal uh, William's thunder, but I believe Kate has been out and about too this week. Richard, what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, well, she's been working on um, a theme close to her heart, which is encouraging people to talk about their mental health. She was visiting um university of derby and students who've only been there for a couple of weeks but students in this country have had very hard time because they've yeah. they've been arriving often away from home for the first time and they're being kept and in alone, these yeah. bubbles where they're only in kind of you know, four people that they're mixing with. And in some cases, they've been quarantined because of having the virus. So it's a very daunting time for students who, it will often be difficult, but it's particularly hard yeah. this year. So I think she was just sort of asking them about that. Do they have people they can talk to? You know, are there um, systems available at the universities? And and I think a good way of talking about slightly embarrassing subject, really, yeah. isn't it? Feeling lonely or low when you're at university.
0: Well, I mean, the morale must just, I can't imagine what it's like amongst students at the moment. It's supposed to be this amazing, fun, exciting new chapter. And it's been, like everything else, a bit squashed by the coronavirus. What do you think, Victoria, a visit from the Duchess like this would do for kids, for students?
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think it's important that the Royal Family have included the universities on their sort of engagement roster because they've been doing a lot of engagements trying to look at supporting um, the medical science behind coronavirus, visiting frontline workers um, and really kind of throwing their efforts behind that. But there are so many different sections of the community that are affected. So I think it was important that they included students who went to university. Obviously, Kate and William, I mean, they're not quite university age, are they? But they you know they're, they're not too far away. In terms of love blossom. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, and I think also using it as an opportunity to talk again about mental health. They obviously launched Public Health England's mental health campaign at the start of the pandemic and it's something that they will continue to highlight. Well
0: Proof, if ever we needed it, that the royals are always busy behind the scenes. One royal engagement is on as we speak. And our royal editor, Rebecca English, is Skyping in live from Rickmansworth, where she's been on a visit with the Duchess of Cornwall. That looks glamorous, Rebecca. Where
3: are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hello, I am indeed in Rickmansworth in Hertfordshire and the Duchess of Cornwall has literally just left. She was visiting the community centre here in her role as president of the Royal Voluntary Service. And, you know, w- you guys are talking in the studio about Earthshot, which is in. Brilliant and incredibly valuable. But this is the bread and butter stuff that the Royals do day in, day out. It, it might not even make tomorrow's papers, but the difference it's made to the people here is just enormous. So Camilla has gone round and chatted to the kind of elderly gentlemen and ladies that have provided lunch here every day, free by volunteers, and even. Uh, kind of rolled up her sleeves and started dishing up their dinners for her and there was a lovely moment with one lady who was blind and couldn't see who was serving her and said oh you know you're gonna gonna cut it up for me and Camilla went yeah yeah of course I will cut it up and there was all these people running around to try and take the kind of knife and fork off She's like no 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 I'll do it and obviously everything was then sanitized and the lady was given another knife and fork instead but yeah this is this is the bread and butter stuff that the royals do every day
0: the layers of cutting up a dinner now thanks coronavirus and how long has she been involved with this charity
3: oh several years now it's something she's worked with uh, a lot and she she's given quite a few impassioned pleas about people actually getting out there and volunteering and she was just saying to me just now you know we need people to to get stuck in. This is going to be a really difficult winter for us as a nation. So we need people like the ladies and gentlemen here who give up hours each week to just help out some of the more elderly members of our community.
0: That is a good call to action there. And recently, Rebecca, you interviewed Camilla on loneliness in our elderly during the pandemic. Is this uh, an issue that has always been close to her heart? She had personal experience.
3: So I had a chat with Camilla about this very issue last week for an interview that was in the Daily Mail on Saturday. And she spoke to me about the issue of loneliness and about how lockdown had given her a new appreciation of her own family, her husband, the Prince of Wales, her children, her grandchildren. And she said she'd been reading through her notes and, you know, realised there were more than a million people in this country who go for more than a month without speaking to anybody. And it made her realise how much we need to do as a nation to try and erase this as a problem. And she said she will do anything she can to help. Thank you so much, Rebecca. We'll let you catch up and get back to work.
0: thank you you. thanks for joining us victoria i feel like on this show we talk all the
2: time about things Camilla's is doing she feels like the busiest royal at the moment (laughs) is that your interpretation well she is busy her and charles have been very busy for a number of years i mean he definitely does more engagements than her but she consistently carries out you know more than 200 250 close to i think a year um and as rebecca says they don't always get as much attention but they mean a lot to the people who she goes to see and with the royal family I think what's interesting we have these different generations of the family who can appeal to and relate to different generations of the country and so actually recently we've seen Camilla doing quite a lot of engagements, she's done things with the Silver Line, a helpline for elderly people uh, Silver Swans, it was supposed to be called Silver, um, mm. a dancing group um, for over 55s and she certainly has credibility And um, when she's talking about those issues that a younger person perhaps wouldn't have mm. so I think the different generations of the royal family can really work very effectively in different ways mm. It's interesting you raise the generational thing because Richard I, I mean I
0: can remember when it would have been A real taboo seemingly for the royal family to talk about mental health and emotions and is that your take on it and now suddenly it's it's you know the discourse of the day it
1: really is a remarkable transformation if you think if anyone personified that british stiff upper lip it was the royal family particularly prince philip i'd say and now um they're popularizing this idea of being open about your mental health and talking about loneliness and these type of difficult subjects which is really interesting kind of social transformation Mm. but I I think it's very much in keeping with the times and um, you know, Prince Philip really is from a different different era with different values. And so. I think
2: that's very important because the monarchy, in order to remain relevant, has to resonate with each generation. There does seem to be a slight
0: gap in the market for the sort of like the late teens, early 20s generation. Could we, you know, could that be something that well, the princesses, Beatrice and Eugenia, Yeah, I mean, I think, out to... I think
1: it must be said that we're missing Harry and Meghan because they yeah. also appealed to... Parts of the population perhaps that weren't reached so easily by other royals. And as you say, that you know there is a vacancy, there's there's roles and I think, yeah, I think Beatrice and usually I'm always um, cheerleading for them. I think they could do a good job, but I must say yeah. there's... There's no sign of that from what I can see.
0: No, yeah, but maybe we just have to wait for George to get old enough to have a YouTube channel (laughs) and take it on himself. (laughs) Whilst we may not be seeing the Queen out and about much these days, she's still active and working. As we know, this week she made a public statement saying that the efforts of the news media to support communities throughout the United Kingdom during the pandemic have been invaluable, whether through fundraising, encouraging volunteering, or providing a lifeline for the elderly and vulnerable to the outside world. So, Victoria... um, I think it's fair to say not all of the royals are sort of like so reverential about the press at the moment, particularly the younger royals. Is it surprising that the Queen has come out with this message?
2: Well, I think the relationship between the monarchy and the media is always one that it entices fascination, I think people are always very interested by it. But it often comes into the spotlight when there's a controversy. So we're often talking about the relationship when a member of the royal family has made a complaint about a story, for example, or there's controversy around coverage. And you know, we've really seen that kind of amplified with Harry and Meghan and the coverage that they've received, the debate around that, and now of course these multiple legal actions that they have against different newspaper groups. Um and other members of the royal family have complained in the past about stories and there's been Prominent um, conversations about the royals and the media. Um, So I think it's easy to sort of forget that the vast majority of the time members of the royal family and members of the media are sort of going about doing their jobs in our modern democracy without bashing heads. Um, Mm. And I think what this letter um, underlines really is that the Queen as head of state recognises the importance of the role that the media plays in our modern democracy and particularly at a time when Um, trusted information is crucial during a pandemic and she actually referenced in the message you know the the value of of vital trusted sources of information. She
0: actually referred to it as a a lifeline news organizations during a pandemic I mean she didn't go so far as to get any specific plugs in but what what sort of things do you think she would be talking about?
1: Well I think they've always been um, very keen to highlight positive um, campaigns and um, Things that the um, press and the media in general have done. Um, Certainly, we've had one with the Daily Mail's Mail Force campaign, which has raised more than £10 million for providing um, personal protective equipment Mm. for um, people during the crisis. And and that's that's an example of what the press have been doing during the pandemic. Um, And I think the Queen generally, you know, she knows that... Um, a royal family, they need to um, be seen to be doing their job and they need a messenger, really, and and that's what the media can do. Mm. And, um, And I think it's very foolish if you go down this route that Harry and Meghan have done of just refusing to speak to certain Outlets, it seems... um... Can't
0: live with us, can't live without
1: us. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, interesting times. Um, And talking of winning over the public, this week it came out that the Queen is planning to build a super fun, multi-level play area for children at Sandringham. We've got hold of some of the planning pictures for it. Will these look fun, Richard?
1: They look absolutely
0: fantastic. I mean, it
1: reminds me of after Princess Diana's death. um, You know, we built a playground in Kensington Gardens, which my children absolutely adored with a full scale yeah, sort of it's
0: amazing. pirate yeah. ship. Yeah.
1: And what a fantastic way to remember her. And here, I mean, are adults allowed on too? I
0: might go myself. <laughs> no, it's like, that one looks pretty. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I would be able to get my toddler daughter onto that big slide. That <laughs> yeah. so looks, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if pe- I'm sure people do know, but you know, obviously Sandringham is the Queen's residence that she goes to at Christmas. It's a private residence, but the grounds are open to the public, and you know, even on Christmas Day, the cafe is open to the public. I've been there many times on Christmas Day when you're seeing the Royals and crowds gather to watch them walk to church, and so th- there's a day out there for people. So to have something extra that families can enjoy I think is great. Mm.
3: Um,
0: now apparently somebody has already moaned that it turns Sandringham into a bit of a theme park. How do you <laughs> feel about that? <laughs> I'm i all for it. <laughs> is, that, is, is it sort of is it crass or you know a, a bit unregal? I don't know.
1: Um, hey. well, well it seems to have a bit of a sort of regal feel doesn't yeah. it? You know they like sort of castles and so forth. Um, it all seems like good fun, and yeah. I, I can't see any particular objection. There's always going to be a few killjoys, <laughs> are there? But on this program, we're, we're not killjoys. Well, I'm
0: about to ask a bit of a killjoy question. I'm just thinking, with you know the country in lockdown and social bubbles and social distancing, is it you know a lot of playgrounds are closing and this one's <laughs> opening? What what do you yeah, think about
2: that? Victoria. I mean, hopefully, this is. a, a playground's going to be around for a lot longer than the pandemic in terms of affecting our lives so I think, you know, this is obviously a long-term plan, a long-term project Um, and yeah, I mean can we halt things like this at a time like this? You know, I think the answer is no, we can't, we've got to carry on. I think it will be interesting to see um, how the Royal Family manages christmas this year in terms of them actually going to church at christmas crowds gathering i can't see that happening right. you know it happens every year so i'm sure we'll get information on that in due course but it certainly looks like it's going to be very different this year well let's choose optimism anyway we're going to have a merry christmas right
1: well if they can one build way build that, or another if <laughs> they can build that playground i'm sure all the children You'll will be, be there. desperate You'll to go in the queue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well she's pushed through a pandemic she's mastered the media and she's arguably the most powerful great granny in the world but that doesn't mean she's afraid to get her hands dirty once in a while. We make contact with her former press spokesman to tell us some stories of the good old days with her Madge.
1: It depends what you mean by who is the funniest royal. The Queen has got a tremendous sense of humour. She's a great mimic um, and, and she will mimic, um, particularly politicians. Uh, she, she, she finds them very amusing. Diana's got had a very sharp wit Uh, On on one occasion, um, she she used to drive a a Jag XJ6. Now, the royals don't own their cars. They lease them. And after three years, the lease is up. They hand them back and they get something else of their choice. And she happened to arrive at St. James's Palace one day in um, a 500 Mercedes SL. The sun was shining. The top was down. The car was gleaming, not bright red, not postbox red, but a slightly lighter shade of red. And I said, oh, that's very pretty, ma'am. What happened to the Jag? She said, well, the lease had run out and I decided to get another car. I said, well, at least you could have got a British car. She said, I've got a German husband. Why can't I have a German car?
0: fascinating to hear about the more private encounters with the queen behind palace doors now earlier this week i interviewed robert lacey on his new book battle of brothers which aired live for Mail plus subscribers but if you missed it you don't need to panic you'll be able to watch it next thursday in a special episode of palace confidential until then thanks so much to all of my guests for joining us today and thank you we'll be back next week and every week via spotify apple and google don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. And of course, you can come back next week and join me, Joe Elvin, for more Palace Confidential.